Welcoming you back to Talk Clarity. I'm your host, Coach Clarity. We'll continue on with our series, Segment 3, on Behaviors in Relationships, both healthy versus unhealthy, toxic, and even borderline and narcissistic, with Haley the Therapist. Another thing that um, they like to use is, is humiliation. Um, this can be on a public scale or this can be behind closed doors. And I think, I believe it happens more behind closed doors than it does in public. Because I feel like as, as in public, we like to um, cancel now, cancel culture, right? Um, but behind closed doors, it's like, well, why are you wearing that? Or you can't um, wear that. Right. You can't wear that word or like, don't pay attention to her like in public. Right. Or my wife's crazy. They'll say certain things in public or they'll say something to you behind closed doors, but that's the humiliation. That's the shame that they, that they put on you. And that is their whole goal is for you to feel shame because they feel shame on such an intense level. They need you to feel more shame so they can make themselves above you. And again, this is not, I don't, I believe that this is not a moral choice Um, for a lot of people. It's not like they go into it saying, yeah, I'm going to make so-and-so's day miserable today. Um, I think only a very small percentage of the population actually is um, malignant like that. But I think that it's all based on survival. And so it's not a choice of, I, I want to hurt this person. It's, I have to hurt this person because if not, I'm not going to survive. What, um, what, what would that look like in, um, relationships with partners that are married or not married, living together, whatever the case may be, and involving their family? Oh, so the isolation technique? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if there's a family involved in the toxic relationship, and, and I'm going to speak to several different scenarios on this, but let's say that um, you're involved in a toxic relationship and the family tries to get involved, they might try and isolate you um, from your family, your friends, your social group, because then you rely on them more. Um, and therefore you won't leave them because of course they have a fear of abandonment. So if you are in a relationship where the toxicity is between you and y'all have kids. Now, obviously the kids are going to be affected by it. Right. And there's a couple things that you can do in order to help that communication um, between the two of you versus, and then when the kids ask like, Hey, what's going on? You know, there's communication that can be done there to help heal that and to help understand that as a family and as a family unit. Um, I've seen relationships where the parents are super involved in the relationship and the parents are the toxic ones. Yeah. Um, and that creates toxicity within the relationship. Um, you know, that could be financial, emotional, mental. There's, I mean, there's so many different scenarios with 
uh, relationships with families because it's like, is it a blended family? Is it a nuclear family? Is it family of origin? What about the faces of a mass? So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of touching into, you know, you have a, a partner that you're with and their family who's, who's involved in a lot of these be, um, behaviors. I want to say both negative and positive. They're not all bad. They're not mm-hmm. always all bad. Um, what, what does the phases, what can the phases of a mask look like within, um, your partner when their family's involved and then you and that, that picture with you? What, what can you start to see? What, um, what can you identify and, and how to get out? Oftentimes with trauma, we will react to certain people in like differently. So for example, a codependent, we like to serve. And so we might serve certain family members differently. We might talk to certain family members differently. We might become what that family member wants us to become. And so to identify the toxic traits in yourself, in a family environment, I would look at that. If your partner is doing that, if they are treating certain individuals, um, you know, differently and they become a different person each time, you know that there's some manipulation going on there of their survival. Um, you know, so when you're dealing with, with toxic behaviors, whether it be, um, narcissistic borderline or just toxic behaviors that are picked up in general there's the the victim mentality where they say i in fact i heard or read that they like to play the victim can you help mm-hmm. us understand what that is yeah okay so a covert toxic individual will play the victim which makes it in narcissism very difficult to identify um, that you're actually with a narcissist because they play victim. And, and typically we think, oh, well, narcissists, we don't, you know, they don't play victims. They're so full into themselves. They're, they're never the victim, but that's not true. There's different types. Right. And so going back to toxic relationships in that covert umbrella of that's how they, they hide. That's how they hide it. Well, and that's how they survive. What does playing the victim look like in a relationship, in a marriage, or just when you're living with someone or dating somebody, what, what can you give us some like live pictures? I would say, can, can you describe what that would look like? They will either lie or air out your dirty laundry and they will do it publicly of, oh, so-and-so was talking to so-and-so, and that's why I decided to cheat. Or, um, you know, maybe it's the truth, right? And they will expose you. And this is the smear campaign of toxic relationships. They will try and expose you. So that way they look like the same. It's a magic show. It's look over here so you don't see what's actually over here. Can it exist in the form of reactive abuse where, um, or how can it, I should say this, how can it appear in the form of reactive abuse in that behavior? It's a good question. 
Very good question. Hang on a second. Let me think it through. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. Saying I would just like the guy saying they would just like to record the conversation so that you could see how horrible you're being. And then recording it and displaying it in front of their family when all you've done is reacted because they've set you up. Okay. So this can look like in reactive abuse, they, they want a a reaction out of you. They want an emotional reaction. So of course, whatever they're going to present to you is going to be emotional or it's going to be intense. And sometimes, and what I've seen um, in the past is people will record you um, in that moment of reactive abuse, and then they'll edit it or they'll edit what you're saying and just string in the part, the bad parts of what you're saying. And then they'll show it to people and be like, oh yeah, look at the, this is, she just popped off. I don't know what's going on. And I don't know, you know, what, what led to it, but this is, this is what I have to deal with. Isn't that insane? Or just like, even this is what, this is what I, this is what I'm living with. Look, look, what, look, look, what's going on in this relationship. Yep. Or they'll they'll use pictures. They'll use, um, they'll use your kids. Like they'll even tell your kids like, oh, like mommy doesn't love me anymore. Or um, they'll just, they'll go over whatever they can to convince the world around them that they are the victim and you are the problem absolves them of the guilt and the shame of not doing the work. And that's all that they're avoiding. Wow. Let's um, take a break from that. Let's talk about positive behaviors, healthy behaviors, um, what that can look like, um, what that, what that is and what it should look like. Yeah. Positive behaviors, healthy behaviors are patient. And they take time. They take effort. And they take showing up. And I think the biggest aha moment of my life is when I learned that healthy behaviors look so different from my idea of what love was. My definition of love was toxic. And therefore, I would put the healthy behaviors to the side and I would actively avoid the healthy behaviors just knowing that they were going to be good for me, but it felt chaotic. It felt unsafe. It felt not normal. And so when you get into, when you're used to chaos and you're bred in chaos, you go into chaos. That's what is, is normal to you. This is what feels right. And so you tend to get into the same relationships until you start to feel within your body. And I always say, go to your body first, because your body and your brain speak different languages and your body will tell you what you need. Your brain will try and override it. And the body is not to be confused with emotions because we make a lot of emotional decisions that are not safe, right? Or not effective for our lives. And I use the words effective and ineffective 
because that's exactly what it is. It either works or it doesn't. Whether it's it's good or bad, I think all of our emotions on a scale are inherently good because they're there for our survival. But whether or not it's effective or not, that's the the question. You know, we talking about when you talk about healthy behaviors and healthy people and we're talking about the difference between healthy and toxic behaviors or good or positive behaviors or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about us as a society as, as whole. And I mean, when we talked about our last series about how the majority of almost everybody has experienced some form of trauma. So you're, you're talking about a lot of people with negative toxic behaviors and then there's also positive behaviors. And I think that, you know, so often we can get, um, we become attracted to the negative behaviors, the toxic behaviors. And I think I've been trying to figure out why we're attracted to that, why we're not attracted to the healthy behaviors and the healthy relationships you know oftentimes you know I had a friend that got into a relationship another friend who got into a relationship with somebody who's a great guy and she would self-sabotage I'd like you to kind of dive into self-sabotage a little bit she would self-sabotage and create this these fights and she was a good person she had so much capabilities she is positive in every other aspect in her, in her life in her relationships but in this scenario, in, in this relationship, she finally gets into a, a healthy relationship and she starts just self-sabotaging and she doesn't even understand why she's doing these things. Why do we get bored in relationships and create chaos? To create the high. We keep ourselves addicted past a certain point because we grew up in chaos. We create chaos. If we don't feel chaos because it feels not normal, it feels unsafe. So we create the chaos to live in because that is what considered is considered normal to us. But really all we're doing is we are perpetuating and continuing the high. We are continuing that cycle in that case. So we become toxic. We are the, yeah. Yeah. How do we fix that? So when you're coming out of a toxic relationship, whether it be with a, a borderline, a narcissistic personality disorder, or just toxic in general, just mm-hmm. develop some picked up toxic behaviors themselves from a previous relationship. How do we, how do we not repeat the pattern of what was done to us so we don't repeat it to another person? How do we fix that? What do we do? Yeah, well, codependency is definitely um, toxic for sure. Um, and so we have to go back to our behaviors, right. And recognize what we're doing and why we're doing it. What is the need? What is the insecurity really? Like what is the insecurity deep down behind all the layers? What is the insecurity and what part of you needs to be heard? And typically with individuals with complex PTSD or complex trauma, childhood trauma, we have different ages and different parts. So if you're reacting, I always ask my clients, I say, how old do you feel right now? Do you feel like you're throwing a temper tantrum, like kicking and screaming on the ground? You're probably three to five. 
right? If you're more rebellious and, you know, F the world, blah, 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 then you're probably a teenager, right? If you're trying to have fun, but you don't know, and you, you, you're in between uh, roles and you don't necessarily know what expectations are of you right now, but you still feel a little young, probably about eight to 10, right? So you figure out the age and then you go back to your past and say, okay, what happened in that age for me? And what is it that it's trying to say? And so I, I guide my clients into a um, visualization. It's not a meditation. It's not, um, but it is a visualization of like, you are sitting in a group therapy session with parts of you. What do you need to learn from the different parts of you, what are you trying to say? Who needs to be heard? Who's in the corner? Who's too loud? Are there other people in that group therapy session, like your mom, your dad, your coach, your, you know, the girls who bullied you in school, like those people are there too. And you have to figure out like, what do they need? What are they, what are they trying to say? And once you find your own needs, then you learn to trust yourself again. And we don't trust ourselves because we couldn't protect ourselves. Codependents are, it was, it was something that happened in your past where you didn't feel protected. So you became a people pleaser and you don't trust yourself to protect yourself. So you look for protectors, AKA like the toxic individuals who are protectors. That's what they do. That's what they love to do. That's the beautiful thing about them, but they don't protect you in the end because they destroy you. That's the problem. And you allow them to destroy you. That's the problem. Wow. So is this something that we can manage on our own or are we going to need, because you're, you're talking about the almost everybody (laughs) Um, experiencing trauma and then exhibiting trauma going into their next relationship. Um, Can we, can we fix these behaviors that can we fix these behaviors that maybe we experience in a relationship with somebody else? So we don't repeat them and do it to somebody else. Can we fix them on our own or do we need professional help? I'm so biased in this (laughs) because I am a therapist and coach. I would say always hire someone to help you see your blind spots. But if you're not in a position to hire right now, like I would go to your friends. Who do you hang out with? I can guarantee you if you're in a toxic relationship, you have toxic relationships and friendships and coworkers. Always. You, you, You find the people, you find your people, right? You find the people that make sense to you. And so look at your friendships. Are these friendships building you up? And if so, have them be a mirror to you. You know, you can even sit in front of a mirror and have a conversation with yourself. That is some deep work. (laughs) If you want to work, that is some deep work right there. Do you know, I actually did something similar to that years ago. And I would do um, these video journals of myself Mm-hmm. As I was going through um, some real heartbreaking things, some real, some real trauma, uh, family related. And as I was going through and you go back through and, and you, you, you know, you watch, 
your videos and you're your worst critic. Oh my gosh, quit saying um so much. <laughs> you know, I mean, just little things. But I started, you start to figure out, I, for me, that that was probably some of the best form of therapy that I could have ever done. Because I was at a time in my life where I was rock bottom, would record these videos of myself. I learned how to, I just, I learned so much about myself. I gave myself my own advice. I was great at it too. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how it always is? (laughs) Um, I'm going to say I'm biased with you as well, though. I, I don't think that we can really ever get out of an unhealthy pattern that we learn because you mentioned that it's a learned behavior. So when you're in a relationship, you own a relationship if you're healthy, you own a relationship when I don't care if you're 30, 40, 20, 70, you own a relationship and you're healthy and you haven't had an unhealthy relationship. Well, my goodness, you're really lucky if you haven't, but if you get into a relationship that's unhealthy, you're going to pick up those, those toxic tricks. And the only way to navigate it from my own experience is, just, is to have somebody help you unwind those patterns yeah honestly like I don't know how far along I would have been if I'm not a therapist you know going through this stuff I know all the answers it was just application for me um and actually like seeing my my blind spots and I always have a therapist every therapist should have a therapist I always have a coach I always have three or four coaches um, just because they're my support system, they're my checks and balances system and doing it alone, you can get so lost because you distort reality. So what is actual reality? Who's to say, you know, this so- is why you have these mentors, the people that have done it, that are on the other side that can guide you through this process as you go through, because you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to live a perfect life. Like we're always going to struggle with something in our life. And so somebody, like, I think that every person on this earth should have somebody or some sort of group or community and heal as a community because we're tribal individuals. 